Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Andrew. And my name is Emily. And, uh, woo! I have a big old mug of coffee. This is actually uh, a beer mug. I have probably something I shouldn't be drinking, but I am anyways. Oh, boy. And I'm scared to, you know, I should probably actually look and see how much caffeine's in this. Mm-hmm. I know this is lots of caffeine in this. I'm wearing my, drinking my Rainier beer mug of coffee. Got my upper left USA shirt, my Hattie's hat hat. Eddie, that's where we met for the first time. That is. Oh, this is only 160 milligrams per can. That's like three cups of coffee. That's not bad. Yeah. But it is like, it's like the closest thing I'm ever going to get to cocaine. Uh, So I had to do my. Just play more live shows and who knows what's going to happen. Oh, my power just flickered. (laughs) Okay. That wasn't my. No, that wasn't your imagination. The power just went. It's not even windy. Uh, no, but we had the other night. Uh, we were watching TV, and so I was just like sitting on my couch, and I uh, noticed at the window that there was just like a cop car just chilling in front of my house with some flares in front of it. I'm like, um, okay, Mm -hmm. uh, what happened? Why are there like? And I look close in the across the street. There's also. Uh, another cruiser with a couple flares in front of it. In the just church? Burning. Uh, no, no, like farther down the street, across the oh, intersection okay. <clears throat> that I live near. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And I uh, just threw on my Birkenstocks and walked outside in the freezing cold and uh, in my pajamas. And uh, yeah, I just walked out there. I'm like looking like, I don't understand why they're here. I don't get it. And so I was like, "Hey, officer, could you? Uh, I'm just curious. What's go- I live right here? Could you? Do you guys know what's going on? Like, why are you guys here? I'm like, uh, the power's out." And I look literally across the street. Um, oh. the the other side of the street, the entire block, just black. I'm like, "Oh, the 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 uh, street light, the intersection was all out." I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna go back to enjoying the fact that I have power, and I'm gonna keep watching my TV." Yeah. Yep. Well, it was a uh, Mandalorian night. Oh, you would have been so sad. I would have been devastated. Like, just like in the middle of the episode, just like, <clears throat> no! <laughs> uh, you could pull it up in your phone, though, right? I mean, I could, but that's not the same cinematic experience. I wouldn't have been able to notice the uh, the stagehands that got slipped into the, the, into the frame. Some stagehands ended up in frame? Uh, one dude did, yeah. Like, uh, one of the scenes that they're, like, in a hallway, like, t- corridor key intersection. Like this. And so the characters are all standing right about here and cameras are here. And just on the other side of the T intersection, uh, you could see, uh, like, a polo shirt tucked in into some jeans and, like, a big watch on the dude's hand just, like, standing there. Was he wearing pro- production black, at least? No. Ooh, that's Which means he probably for. wasn't it. He probably wasn't a hand. He was probably like a cam op or something. Um, but yeah, it, the internet has blown up on that, and I'm enjoying. I'm really enjoying that. Um. Anyways, I would have. Uh, 
would have lost my mind if the power had gone out. And I'm, now I'm suddenly freaked out that it's going to happen on the side of the block this morning for no discernible reason. <laughs> but that's a huge tangent. For balance. Yeah, How and then you? we would then I would just have to do the podcast on my own. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I, you know, have gotten back on that demo train. So I released a normal number of demos last week and released a normal number of demos this week, including this will come out tomorrow. Yes. Uh this is the Empress Effects Compressor Mark II in blue. That With I a nice showing. orange stripe, I feel compelled to point out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's got a nice orange stripe. It has three different compression ratios, a sidechain high-pass filter that uh, helps basses not get over-compressed. Yep. Um, I've had a, I had a lot of fun with this. It's definitely like a compressor is a make-gooder kind of pedal, isn't it? Like it just uh, makes things sound a little sweeter. A little more present, I think, even. It, it can de- it definitely has that potential. Also, has the potential to suck all of the life out of your tone. Um, I mean, yes, if you really overcompress it, but well, sure, which can be fun sometimes. I'm not gonna lie; like, it's fun to like overcompress and just get that kind of spanky thing going on. Um, I've been using chicken the picking, chicken <clears throat> picking, uh, which I'm terrible at. Um, well, you should get but, a book. That's what I did. Uh, yeah, I've got a, I've got a, uh, a chicken picking tutorial called Finger Stuff. It's a neat little book. <laughs> You're saying that because I said finger stuff. I said let's start with some finger stuff in the demo. You did, and I don't think you're ever <laughs> going to live that down. I shouldn't. I should. I should have heard it. I'm. I didn't hear it, and then I was editing it. And I see, I hear myself say, and let's start, let's start with some finger stuff. And I was like, oh, that's going to be great to navigate. I already have guys leaving comments about the name. Someone said, someone comment, I said, um, I got a big old box in one demo (laughs) because I was unboxing a guitar and someone commented, Emily's got a big old box. I was like. Yeah, I should have thought about that one. But it makes me feel better knowing that, like, people like Ryan, dudes like Ryan Burke get similar comments. I mean, that's true, but let's be honest. Ryan Burke literally got shirtless on camera a couple weeks ago. And yeah, I, I, I commend him for it in a strange way. Like, I don't judge him for it. Well, he was putting your shirt on. So he was putting my shirt on. So I, I, I have, I have my own personal interests in mind and I, being kind uh but yeah no he he got shirtless and said please don't make a meme out of this which really means just please make a meme out of this and i've been i don't have the time to actually edit this myself because i'm terrible at editing but part of me is like i don't know maybe i just i could grab that clip and just put it up on fiverr and say can someone make this a gif and pixelate out his his entire torso when he takes his shirt off. Because <laughs> that would make for... I think that would make a great gift. He's just like wearing whatever shirt. He's like, whoop, pixelate, and then bring it back on and have this shirt. And wow, I can't believe Ryan has such an obscene tattoo on his chest. Full chest! <laughs> yeah, wings are supposed to go on the back. Did, did anyone tell him that? Especially phallic wings like that. 
How is nope, not gonna ask that question. Um instead of feathers, it's little penises. That's where I was going with it. Okay. I mean, I could see that. I might edit I might edit that out. <laughs> you know, no, that's that's the new merch. Uh that's gonna be the new merch ideas. I'm gonna design that, make that the back graphic, and just on the front, like it's gotta be a pocket. It'll just say finger stuff. Um, no. Ugh. That's that's the whole uh that's the whole shirt. <clears throat> idea uh selling Andrew's for really proud of himself i'm uh, 69 plus shipping and tax you know what fine sell it i need money i don't need money that bad um wow <laughs> throw me under the bus uh but there's plenty of, about, plenty of people i'd talk- like to throw under the bus today you want to talk about some new stuff though yeah let's talk about new stuff you have all of my new stuff I have all of Andrew's new stuff. They're they're back in the boxes, but I have my copies. She's got the box. I there you go. Yeah, I have uh, the Time Shadow and yep. the Chase Bliss Bliss Factory. And I filmed the fun little thing that was Andrew's idea yesterday, which was that I um. Took my Matthews Effects Alchemist, which is a signal splitter, among other things, and I've split my guitar signal into left and right. Mm-hmm. So one side was Andrew's Chase, Andrew's Bliss Factory, and Andrew's Time Shadow, and the other side was my Bliss Factory and my Time Shadow. And then I put them into my Strymon Iridium and ran them in stereo. <laughs> it was pretty fun. I would enjoy the heck out of that. It was really great, but the one thing that did make obvious to me is um, I really wish the Earthquaker side had um, had a blend knob. Like, I would love to be able to mix Clean Signal in, because when I was running it in stereo like that, at one point, I had um, this, and then the other side was just dry, the dry mm-hmm. signal. I was like, that's really, really nice, and I like that a lot more. So it did... It did Leave me wanting with this pedal, which was a drag. Yeah, well, I don't know. I I like I like it without the dry um, on guitar. Doing some lead stuff, um, like some some chicken picking. Not really chicken picking, but just some like kind of slow meandering uh, ambient lead kind of work. I was mm. really enjoying the uh, Death by Audio side. Yeah, I like that algorithm on on that, and I could just I'm. It doesn't necessarily have that full, like, I'm just, like, that bedroom tone kind of thing where I'm just enjoying it and you feel the full attack and response and all of that. It doesn't necessarily have that. But contextually in a song, I could totally see, like, during, like, a break, like, um, inter- like a break in between verses or whatever, just, like, that super foreboding, um, moody kind of sound just floating around in the background. I could see that sitting really nicely in a mix. Um, oh, totally. I can imagine how I would use that in my band setting. Yeah, it's it's really solid. Um, I think the other thing that I want to try is uh, uh, when I get that back from you, one of the first things I want to try is bass on the Earthquaker side. I could I see that being it. if I could get the uh, if I could get the envelope filter dialed in just right for bass, that could just be some like really sick auto swell um, uh, kind of stuff. I'm sorry, was that distracting? Well, no, it, it'll a little bit distracting. So it's distracting because 
uh, Melissa just started the coffee maker over here, um, just off camera. And then I heard you pouring. I'm like, I'm hearing so much pouring going on right now. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, anyways, it's pouring, it's raining, it's pouring. Isn't that what the Morton Salt Girl says? It's raining, it's pouring. Okay, I need to get a new one of these. Did you get that one off of Amazon? Fifteen bucks. It was like fifteen bucks, like several years ago. Mm. It's probably something you can tighten. I see the little, I see a little part right there. Andrew's, um, this is riveting. Andrew's, um, oh, microphone boom is loosey goosey. Mm, I forgot. I fixed it. I fixed it from afar. You did. And there we go. That feels a lot better because I feel like I'm trying to talk down, even though I know like the polar pattern was doing just fine. This just feels like I'm staring at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyways. So um, what's new with you other than the things that I have? Uh, the things that you have are what's new with me. They <laughs> arrived on Monday and I was super excited about I. I in the middle of a conference call, ran out to the front door, grabbed it, brought it back in and unwrapped it on my desk. Was super excited. And I got to experience like the, like the pedals were still like ice cold coming off the, the truck. I was very <laughs> oh, excited. Yeah. And I set them right here and then I had to get back to work. I uh, figured I'll get to it later. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't plug them until Thursday. Yeah. I just had that kind of week. Uh, yeah. No, I know that kind of week. Like I have, I have things I got weeks ago that I still haven't played because I got them and then life took off. So um, I'm really looking forward to not going anywhere else for Thanksgiving and Black Friday because I'm just going to catch up on the things that I actually like to do, which, you know, I was talking about that video. I'm going to release it on Friday where I run it in in hard panning stereo. And um, what was I going to say about that? Oh, yeah, it was the most fun I've had filming a video in a very long time. I think it really was kind of what I needed to um, get past some sort of, like, burnout fatigue yeah. I've been feeling. Like, uh, like, and also just, like, doing a couple of them and kind of low pressure, keep them a little bit shorter, keep the editing time down, um, made me feel a little, like... a. Like, oh yeah, that's right. This is, this is fun. And this is not like a huge pain in the ass to do. Like I was, I think every time I like reset up or refigure my office, I get like those feelings of like, oh, now I got to (sighs) like refigure out my demo setup and that's going to be work. And then you just do the work and you're like, that wasn't bad. Why was I being such a baby? Sure. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on the Bliss Factor? Because we just talked about the EQD one. Personally, I'm in love with the Earth, the Time Shadows, the Earthquaker, Death by Audio uh, collaboration. I'm never getting rid of that. I and I have like I've already sold mine to one of our patrons. Aww. Harden right. wants a second one because now I want one for bass and my electric board. I think it's going to kick off my organizer for now on my electric board. <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you who bought it, and then you can. You can debate with them. Oh, that reminds I, me. Uh, before, oh, sorry, sorry. I asked you a question. Yeah. I know I'm going to delay here for a second, okay. even though you've got an answer. Uh, as far as the the blend, 
because my electric board's uh, wired up for um, wet dry wet. Yeah, yeah, wet dry or a wet dry wet. Um, the place in the chain that it would be stepping into if I replace the organizer on it is after the split, and so I could still do a wet dry very easily. Yeah. So definitely thinking that could be fun to give give a whirl. Yeah, totally. Uh, no, I agree. I think that would be a good way to use it. Um, I love it. I really like the Bliss Factory. And I, I didn't play with it a lot, and I don't really know where in the music I make I would use it. But I do know I had a ton of fun playing it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. It was very inspiring, I thought. I am feeling the full weight of having to eat my shirt. Not this one. I, I The other shirt that I already ate. Um, because when you were like, oh, but just a fuzz factory, I'm going to was like, it's just a fuzz factory. And I, I feel so dumb for saying that. Like, I, I really genuinely, like, I plugged in and part of me is like, maybe it's not going to be fun. And that's going to make me feel a little bit more redeemed for being kind of a punk. Uh, in, you know, me being edgy, because that's about as edgy as I get. And in saying that, I didn't think that that would be worthwhile. And I, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I plugged in. Uh, we, it was on Thursday. Uh, the Hawks game was on. It hit halftime. I'm like, I'm going to go plug in real quick. And I figured I'd just play with it for five minutes, five, ten minutes, and then come back um, to watch the third quarter with the family. Isn't, isn't and that what we always say? I made it back like partway into the fourth quarter. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, I'm back. And they're like, well, thank you for turning off the amp. We've been trying to listen. To the game. Ooh. <laughs> um, nice. So they were they were patient with me, and I appreciated it. And uh, I I had you ever plug in a guitar pedal and you you start playing, you're like <laughs> you just start chuckling at like how cool it is out of the blue. Have you watched my demos? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess I guess that was I I knew I know the answer to the question I'm asking. I guess I better asking the listeners, aren't you? Yes, we'll go with that. Anyways, I, I had several of those moments just plugged in. I had the grab the jazz master and plugged into the amp. It was just jazz master, a couple pedals into the amp and just was just having several of those spontaneous unplanned chuckle moments. It was pretty great. Yeah, like uh, that's my other that's my other merch idea is um, just a shirt that says spontaneous, unplanned chuckle moments. Um, yeah. Sure. It's, <laughs> it's a little redundant, but mm. I think that's that's part of the beauty of the the shirt. Mm-hmm. That's nice. my way of saying I, I'm very open to merch ideas right now. Uh, so if you have any ideas for new get offset merchandise, hit me up and I uh, would love to hear what your thoughts are. And I'm very, I'm like itching to get another shirt out. Something maybe fun, could, something exciting. Maybe there's something else we could do with the fu- for, for fuzz for fuzz sake. Probably. I thought about giving that, that design a facelift. Um, yeah, it I, probably needs it. I thought, thought about, it was fun. Oh, I agree. I, I love the shirt and I wear it all the time. Um, and it's definitely, it's definitely showing its, its age. Uh, 
but yeah, no, I'm just thinking of the right ideas and uh, would want to continue having some fun on the merch side of things. Nice. Maybe something borderline outrageous. Outrageous. Yeah, just get Ryan Burke to wear it. Sell <laughs> a billion of them. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. Speaking of selling a billion of them. Um, no, I have not sold a billion of these shirts. However, I've sold significantly more than I expected. And I am... I have so many emotions about that. I'm like so torn between like, this is so exciting. I'm like mad because I'm like, I don't know. For the listeners, that's Andrew's shirt. He has a volume pedal on it and it says it is swell with my soul. I like the shirt quite a bit. I'm a little biased, uh, but it, it turns out a lot of other people like the shirt as well. And I got to say, there's something really, really humbling about seeing those orders come in and just see photos of people wearing my shirt design, just floating around the internet. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's just, that's super neat to see yeah. and really humbling. So I want to say a heartfelt thank you for everyone who's ordered one. I really appreciate you. And you have uh, made this the last couple of months uh, particularly special for me. And I really appreciate that. Nice. That reminds me that um, if you're not already a member of our Patreon, Get Offset um, Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Get Offset. Um, I'm trying a new thing where every once in a while, everyone are, well, firstly, everyone in our $10 tiers are up that you automatically get merch. I send you merch. Um, but everyone in the $5 and up level, every once in a while, I will send you, I will send you something fun. Ooh. If your address is in, in the Patreon. That's um, where you live. Um, I sent one of our patrons who who just had a baby a onesie, and I hope aw. he got it. <clears throat> a get offset onesie. I don't know why I thought anybody would ever want to buy those. We've sold zero of them. Yep. But we've given away several, and they're very cute. They're cute. I'm stretching. Oh, my God. Because I feel like I need to stretch to talk about the next topic. Well. No. Um, uh -oh. First, let's thank our uh, sponsors. Our sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid makes it possible and easy to upload as much music of your own as you want to the internet. That includes iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, um, Deezer, iHeart stuff in places. Um, with tons of cool features to help you promote your music as well, including um, their wheel of playlists um their meme generator um tons of really 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 cool things it's only 19.99 a year uh and i think that plan comes with two artist names under which you can release and if you use the link in the um description of the video or the show notes for the podcast you'll save seven percent on your first year and you'll help support the podcast slash YouTube channel. So please check that out. I moved to DistroKid from TuneCore earlier this year. It was easy. It was fast. I'm saving a ton of money. And uh, I'm actually a lot happier with everything from like their reporting to their feature set to their customer support, honestly. That was the end. And also, I just want to shout... They're not an official sponsor, but I do want to shout out Ernie Ball for sending us some strings and things. Andrew's got some, too. 
I do have. I've got a. Uh, this is part of our next series, which is um, string casing ASMR. I also have a guitar pick. Um, so yes, thank you to DistroKid. Yeah, and one more word on sponsors that mm-hmm. I'd like to to quick throw in there is it's uh, been brought to my attention that uh, so sometimes you know I, I do something silly. I want to have some fun, and I say uh, sponsor instead of sponsor. And it's been brought to my attention that people thought it, I've been talking about dinosaurs this whole time, and so I do want to clarify: this DistroKid is not a dinosaur. Uh, they are, in fact, uh, a premium business that you should be involved in. Nobody thought that, Andrew. I just I want to get that clarification out there uh, because I could see how damaging that could be, and uh, I for deep heartfelt apology for any confusion that that has caused, if any. <laughs> are we talking? Are we talking about um, Tay Tay? Is that what we're going to talk about? Do you want to talk about that one first? I think that would be. Mm. We'll we'll fo- let's follow up with that. I I do want to make a quick note here. Right. Um, and I think most people know this, but I, I also think there's a number of people that don't know this. And so just for a PSA, uh, for the sake of just sharing this out there, good gravy. Um, goodness that came out of nowhere. Uh, so guitar center filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy. And I've been seeing all kinds of stuff about like, Oh, when's the liquidation sale? The fact that you haven't seen a liquidation sale is not not nothing. It's actually something. And uh, I I have to be the one to tell you it's not happening. And here's why. is that Chapter 11 bankruptcy does not mean that they're going out of business. It uh, didn't mean that for Gibson either. Did not mean that for Gibson. Gibson is still doing all kinds of shenanigans uh, post-Chapter 11. Um, which I guess that would make this chapter 12, which is, I think chapter 12 is where you're obligated to sue everyone and then just ignore the copyrights that other people hold, um, when you release new stuff, but trademarks, but not copyrights, but whatever. Sure. IP. I just like saying I, IP is just more fun for uh, my inner uh, fourth grader (laughs) IP. And, uh, it's also just easier because I'm terrible at mixing up the, uh, Ooh, <laughs> just got a message. Uh, anyways, yeah. So they're <laughs> just re- was about to just stop podcasting and just respond to that message. <laughs> I saw it. It's like <laughs> squirrel. And uh, no, so they're just restructuring their debt. That's all that means. This isn't, the, I don't think this is the first time that this has happened for Guitar Center even. And this is relatively normal for larger businesses. Uh, I, apparently you can just be hundreds of millions of dollars in debt and just, we don't want to pay it anymore. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Isn't that it's so fine? Uh, yeah, so that's what they're doing. It's not a huge deal. It's just corporate nonsense. And unfortunately, that means they're not going to be clearing out uh, fenders for pennies on the dollar. Probably not. Not likely. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, on that note, uh, there was some recent Taylor Swift. This is actually Andrew's idea for the topic. Recent news involving Taylor Swift. Her music um, had 
Okay, so I don't I don't know how you want to even should I just kind of like give a refresher on what the hell is happening? Yes, a refresher on what is going on and why this is why we're even talking about this is important. Yeah. So, um, when she was very young, Taylor Swift signed a very long record deal with a then new record label called Big Machine. Um, it was followed, it was founded by former DreamWorks executive Scott Borchetta and became a joint venture between Scott and Toby Keith. So they signed a young sweet baby angel Taylor Swift to their label. And, and how old was she at the time? Oh, she was like 16. I, she yep. was young. I think it was even 15. Yeah. Let me see. I just want to make sure that like it was clear that she was clearly like when we say young, we don't mean like 26. We mean like teenager. Yeah. Keith Urban. I mean, Keith. Oh, God damn. What am I saying? Toby Keith uh, dropped his affiliation with the label in 2006. But um, Tim McGraw was the first single by Taylor Swift. So, um, basically, she signed a very long record deal, which happens a lot with younger performers. I think, like, for example, um, Kesha was locked into a six options cycle. I don't know how many options Taylor Swift had, but Big Machine took them on all of that. And when I say option, so you've heard someone, you've heard of like, oh, I got a three album deal with like so-and-so, right? What you get really is an almost guarantee that they'll release one album and then you have two option periods typically. So that means the label can decide if they want to release, if they want to take advantage of those two other options. And if they don't, they drop you. That's how that works. So if you have something that sounds like a six album deal, you think, sweet, I get to release six albums. Wrong. It means they might release six albums or they might just um, put you on the shelf and leave you there to uh, rot and die in in your career. Uh, You don't really know what's going to happen. And you don't have a lot of leverage because it's a contract. So Taylor Swift, when she was very young, signed this uh, deal with Big Machine, which is now called The House That Taylor Built, because Taylor built that label. Her success um, drove that label. And um, uh, what happens when you sign a record deal, especially when you're very young and desperate to make it, is one of the things that the label takes is possession and ownership of your master recordings. And people are getting this confused right now, as they always do. Um, So the master recording is the released recording of a song or collection of songs. Um, And the song is something that Taylor, as far as I know, still maintains ownership of. So she gets all of the royalties from um, like people covering her song. She gets mechanical royalties when people buy the music. She gets sync royalties when the music's, when her songs are used in movies, even if it's not that original master recording. And Prince went through the same thing in the early 90s. He wanted to regain his master recordings from Warner Brothers, Because he realized, and this is something that a lot of artists have realized over the years, 
that um, there's a lot of money in the master recordings and you should own them. It's your work. It really is your work or there should be some sort of path to ownership uh, to regain your master recordings. So Taylor Swift um, was, I think, trying to buy her own master recordings for a while. And then her longtime bully, Scooter Braun, bought them. Scott Borchetta worked with, Ta- yep. with Scooter. Guess he was probably mad at Taylor because Taylor was not going to be a part of his label anymore, is my guess. And sold them to this loathsome person. And Scooter recently, and this is what the part that's in the news, um, wanted to sell his ownership and her masters. Taylor wanted to buy them, was willing to buy them, but he wanted her to sign a never talk smack about me ever again NDA, which is unheard of and very weird. And um, that wasn't, that was before they would talk numbers. She had to sign the right? NDA before just to even talk any, numbers. Yeah. Just to come to the table. With no guarantee that she'd even be able to buy her masters. And that was the weird part, I should say. So, um, someone else bought them and Taylor was super excited, like optimistic to be able to work with them. I think they were optimistic to be able to work with her as well, but Scooter is maintaining some sort of, and I don't remember exactly what it was. He's still going to profit on her masters for the next several years. Yep. Just part of the the sales agreement uh, works that in there, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. So what Taylor's doing is something that Prince said he was going to do and then never ultimately did. Um, Re-record all of her old music, re-release it so she can maintain control of those masters of her songs. Which I think is, uh, admittedly, that's a baller move. Not going to lie. It's a baller move, but it's an expensive move. It's a move that might not work. Like when Prince re-recorded 1999, he called the new masters and it's just like famously bad. Nobody mm. like like his 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 biggest fans don't really like this re-recording of this master. And he kind of abandoned the project because like he was not really an artist who looked back anyway. Sure. Um, I'm interested to see how it plays out with Taylor. Yeah, I'm also interested to see how it plays out for. Uh, I mean, there's so much nostalgia with the original recordings. There's just no getting around that. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think we both grew up when she was becoming popular and. And, I mean, she's my age. Yeah. Yeah. And she started when she's 15 or 16. And no, I, th- I think there's definitely a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very excited to see how it turns out. I personally am rooting for her, but this episode isn't, this episode isn't a platform for me to stand for Taylor Swift. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think this is really important to talk about in the sense of like music business and predatory contracts and just how nasty things can get up at the top. And it's not all, not all uh, bedazzled sparkles and champagne. Well, you know, having those predatory contracts is pretty par for the course in the music industry, especially right. the uh, country music industry. Leanne Rhymes was famously assigned to, a similarly bogus kind of record deal. And uh, yeah, those options when you're young, like they sound cool, but like don't do it. Cause it's not a guarantee for you. You don't get any extra leverage. Yep. Um, all you will get is screwed later. 
Leanne Rimes had to release albums and songs that she hated because she needed to fulfill a contractual obligation. There's, there's, there's talks about like Justin Timberlake released a new record recently, probably because he was contractually obligated to do so. Um, this happens a lot. Like Kesha was not allowed for a while to work with other producers, even though she alleges that Dr. Luke sexually assaulted her and certainly was abusive to her. And, uh, she was like, they say, I can't record with anybody, but him, this will end my career. Right. She's not wrong. It would have ended her career if they hadn't allowed her to work with other producers. Yep. But, um, if you, (laughs) I can't say this enough, buy this book. Buy all you need to know about the music business. Read this book if you want to um, learn about how to not get screwed over for record contracts. Yes, it is very normal for record companies to take control of their massive recordings. But see if you can negotiate transfer of ownership in several years. Prince was in talks with Warner Brothers to regain ownership. Um <clears throat> through just negotiations but when he died like this is not unheard of and right just what else i mean it it's super important and i think one of the other lessons to learn from this story is that this is an issue this is not an issue that taylor swift had once she got to the top this was from the very beginning that that first record deal is what set it up and so yeah if you're thinking, if you're already in the music business, you got a band, you're looking at trying to snag a record deal. This is a cautionary tale that's very relevant to you. This is something that you got to pay attention to or uh, that could – and if you learn the right lessons from it and use this as a chance to negotiate well, this could be a chance to set yourself up for success in a yeah. way that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. And I think that's that's a big part of the message, messaging here. And so I know the question- people are always going to say things like, oh, whoa, whoa is Taylor. But again, like you said, like this could happen to anybody. Like, yes, she yeah. is wildly rich. But does that mean she shouldn't also be able to own her work? Sure. There's definitely an intrinsic value to just the idea of being able to own the, your own art. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that said, I mean, sure, she's an, entirely rich and I don't necessarily feel like bad like I, I kind of do like i i empathize but that sort of falls into the category of first world problems for me because she's got to where she's got but she's using her position of influence to create these broader conversations yep things like not refusing to put her music on spotify or apple music until like apple music wanted to just not pay musicians and songwriters for using their work for yep. the, like for like the trial period because they're like they they were like we're not getting paid for that either, and she was like no, and right. Apple balked. They were like okay yeah sure whatever whatever we whatever we can do to get Taylor Swift on our platform. So she exactly. used her position of power and influence, which is what everybody should do. Use your position of power and influence yes. to help people for, to whom it matters more. Like would it would it have mattered a lot if Taylor Swift like she would she still have been extremely wealthy and famous if she hadn't gotten paid for three months of streams. Yeah, absolutely. That doesn't make it right. And that doesn't mean that other people can similarly afford the same luxury. Exactly. And that's, 
You're just stealing the words right out of my mouth. That's where I was going with that. <laughs> I mean, Tom Petty did similar things. Prince did similar things. Like there have been other musicians, but it's been a while. I feel like it's been a while since other musicians of her caliber have really stood up to the big machine. Right. And, <laughs> and um, just try to, to make things more equitable for you know these these power struggles that musicians often find themselves in with with the label you know right and and that's that's where to add a little bit more of where he's going with that is the idea of it being just like a hashtag first world problem and some criticism that she's received for like look you already got rich you got your paycheck what's your what's your problem is like this isn't an isolated case. This isn't just about her stirring up drama and whatnot. There's, there's so much more going on here. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's not intentional. I don't know, Taylor. It'd be fun to be friends. Maybe. I don't know, but I think I will never be friends with Taylor Swift, even though I would love to be, I'm just going to be realistic about that. <laughs> <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Uh, Taylor, if you're listening, uh, be friends with Emily. She's cool. And uh, she's not listening. No, I want to talk about guitars with Taylor Swift really badly. Right, but there's um no. Anyways, the the impacts of having these conversations and this this feels like almost like a modern take on like let's crush the the big record label machine. So the question I've got for you is moving forward. Like, so she she signed this really bad record deal when she was fifteen. And she's paying for it now. And we, we know that that's not an isolated case. There's several well-known musicians that are in similar boats. There's several lesser-known musicians that were all in the same boat and ended up just not getting a whole lot of money for their art when all was said and done, but, um, when they burned out of the industry. What – yes, so reading the book is a really great start. But what do you think are the odds that the culture on this changes where predatory contracts are less the norm? Is, I think it's a. Is that a matter depends. of like education? Is it like educating the proletariat kind of a thing? Or well, here's the thing: it's it's the same way that like. Okay, so how can I put this? This is going to sound really political, but it's the same way that minimum wage works. If if the minimum wage is five dollars and twenty five cents an hour, like it was when I was sixteen, um. Yeah, some businesses are going to pay more than that. But you can't just like expect people to not take the jobs when they need the jobs. Like it's like you can't expect musicians to not sign predatory record deals because we we don't unionize. I mean, there are musicians unions and please join them if you really want to be a musician like uh Joey uh, from Leneve, who we had on the podcast, he mm-hmm. is part of the new musicians union of musicians and collective bargaining is important because it, 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 it sets boundaries because you have to say if, if anybody crosses this picket line, if anybody starts to sign is okay with signing these predatory deals, then the labels know that, okay, so this person's not signing with me. There's 10 people lined up behind you. And so it, it's it's about who has the the negotiating or bargaining power. An unsigned ban 
is probably not going to have that kind of bargaining power, especially with like a major label or something, sure. somebody that's distributed by a major label, like, like big machine. They probably have more bargaining power with like donut sounds like my record label, <laughs> which is, right. you know, I, we have, we keep our masters and we keep our publisher. Well, we like, that's a different, that's a very different kind of right. record deal. But like, if he had, if, if JR had said, I'm going to own your masters in perpetuity, even though you brought this finished record to me, we could have bounced and it wouldn't have mattered. We would have found sounds found someone else. And, but yep. um, basically un, unless bigger artists are throwing their weight around in ways that Taylor Swift is trying to do, trying to, uh, and, or unless something gets like, legislated that this is theft like or that like this is not okay to do it's not like you like there can be a law written that says you can't own someone's masters in perpetuity in the basis of a record deal unless blah 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 blah, unless there's like some sort of path to regaining like that's never i don't think that's gonna happen i don't see that being the top of mind for any legislator to be like i'm gonna go into office and that's the first thing i'm gonna do why not they tackled steroid use in baseball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Joe Biden has, like, I'm pretty sure a plant, like, or like there have been positions on this kind of thing before. Sure. So I'm sure they would. I mean, I could see legislation being a part of it. Mm, um, I don't I, think it will be. I don't think it will be. I think unionization is helpful to a degree. I don't, but, and I don't think that's going to happen because I think there are enough musicians who are just generally anti-union or right. are desperate to. And I don't same, necessarily. It's, same, it's like there's a lot of baggage that comes with that name. I don't necessarily blame them either. Um, there is. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying that there, for a lot of people, that carries a lot of baggage. And there's people who are yeah. people who don't like 40-hour work weeks because right. they think it's not enough working time. Sure, but there's also union examples of where unionization is not positive. There's no well, getting around that either. There's, there's 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 some grifters and there's some bad things about some there's unions, but grifters. Uh, and then people, people have mixed feelings about teachers' unions and police unions. Yep, for good reasons. And so, I'm a I, big pro teacher union. My point in saying that is, I understand that there's some baggage, and it's difficult to get everyone on the same page of like, okay, here's what it is. Here's what it's doing. Here's what it's not doing. That's a very big ask in terms of education. I mean, we see we, in terms of like mass education on issues like that. I mean, looking at uh, the, the new Georgia project that Stacey Abrams has uh, been leading. That's a couple of years now and has made a huge change there, but the amount of just in one state, the amount of, uh, effort put into voter education is immense and that's mm -hmm. not a that's not an easy easy task um the no. fox sky rose been donating all um all profits from the black lives matter toppers to the king county and and one of the things that they focus mm -hmm. on is voter education and i've dug into kind of what they do and what their programs look like just to because i wanted to make sure that if i was going to be donating any money that that we go to the right place and yeah. voter education is one of the things that they really focus on. I'm looking at like, that's just a huge ask. And so in the same sense that trying to get all musicians on the same page in terms of 
in, in terms of a agreement on unions are a good thing for what we have as a as an industry and as a profession, this is what needs to happen. I just, I don't see that happening in mass. No, it's not. It's, and it's not going to happen in mass. Ultimately, I think it's just, it's, it's gotta be a matter of big artists saying this is not an acceptable thing to include in your contracts at all to major labels uh, or any label, because not only is music business a business, it's a passion for the musicians. Like, right. it's this thing that you love. It's like, it's, it's, it's why it's so hard to find a job even in the music business, because like, I knew that if I left my job in Nashville, where I was certainly guilty, like, like, like they were certainly guilty of wage theft, among other things and overworking and abuse, like, not like, aggressively abusing employees, but like, I I've, I just recently realized that like they should have been giving me time and a half or flex time for some of the things I did for them. And um, they didn't. And that's yep. just part of the music business or the entertainment industry. Because if I quit my job, they would have where I was getting paid $33,000 a year. They would have turned around and found someone who was willing to take $28,000 a year because exactly. they wanted to be in the industry so badly. And, and until you have like, wage laws or outlaw like unpaid internships like that's never going to change because there's always going to be somebody willing to do it for nothing because they think that's what you have to do right so <sighs> unpaid internships is something else that just gets me completely mm-hmm. tilted but we i mean it's that kind another of, day. yeah i mean so that's question kind of for what you it is to be a musician Something I see that a lot of musicians have done, something that Taylor Swift has done, something uh, – this is not uncommon for established musicians at some point to move on from the record label and create their own. Right. And a lot of examples I've seen that happen, mm-hmm. especially like in the Christian mu- uh, music industry. Uh, I think a couple uh, – one I can think of off the top of my head I want to say is Jars of Clay uh, is a band that did that. And – it's frequently like it's their own record label for themselves. And they just kind of basically like the band is big enough where they can afford to just do all the things that a record label does just independently for themselves, for their own band. Mm-hmm. What about larger artists uh, doing, creating a record label and just saying, you know, we're actually going to be the good guys here. We've got the funding. We've got the, the clout in the industry. We can make this happen. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's something that could be a possibility happen prince did that okay yeah prince had his um prince actually had an imprint on warner brothers from the beginning of his career almost that was part of the stipulation of his contract as he wanted to have his paisley park imprint so he could sign whoever he wanted um he was also a a hard and tough business person and you can say similar things about people like buck owens who dipped their toe into the industry um ani defranco has always had her own record label um Righteous Babe. Uh, Madonna had her own record label that was part of um, an imprint. I think that was called Maverick Records. I forget who that was on. Um, and even smaller smaller artists, I think Sadie Dupuy has an imprint. Um, she definitely has her own like poetry publishing. Um, a lot of artists do this. And it's just, it is a lot of work and you have to hire people. Right. I can imagine Taylor Swift doing something like that. I think even Lydia Lovelace is doing her own record label. Um, but the, I guess, so I'm hearing all these names. But making it majors, you can't compete with the majors because they have billion dollars in funding. 
Right. And that's where I'm like, I, I'd love to see more of that, but I just, I don't know if I could see like <clears throat> some of the larger labels getting toppled down. Just given is the hard thing, honestly, how much money is involved. Um, I guess another thought I had is one of the, the musicians turned business people uh, that I thought about was uh, Jay-Z Beyonce with title is uh, being part of that <clears throat> world of like, Hey, we don't have to put up with, what the other companies are doing We're, we want to do this right or at least more right in a way that honors the work of musicians and yeah they do they do pay at least twice as much as spotify right. does for their streams and it's just going to show you, you can pay twice as much and still be successful enough i don't yeah. i don't know if title makes money to be honest um, and they might not and and they definitely do have done some strong arm stuff to get like exclusives and that's kind of been in question or like they sure. had, they, I think they sued the print. I don't know. I keep talking about the Prince stuff. But I think they might've sued the Prince estate or the Prince estate sued them because title was the only place you could stream Prince's music. Yep. And I think that title got upset when it got moved to Spotify and other places as well, because I think that they might've had some sort of handshake exclusivity deal with Prince himself. Um, <clears throat> but I don't really know. Um, anyways, that's what I've got for the episode. Um, I think that was a really great discussion. Uh, and yeah. to tie it all up in a nice, in a nice night, a, a nice neat bow. Uh, buy the book, get smart in business. If you are in the music industry, if you're in a band, if you're looking at signing a label, there is so much more behind the curtain, and it's not necessarily fun stuff. Get educated. If you get there, a contract, just if you get a contract, talk to a lawyer. Sure. Have them explain to you exactly what each thing means. Yeah. Don't sell your publishing. And I just want to say this one more time. This is not about Taylor Swift's publishing. That's a whole other can of worms that we can talk about. I think she retains control of at least the artist share of her publishing, which is important. Sure. Different publishing masters. Record of the year is where the masters falls. It's a recording. Song of the year is the writing. That's the songwriting. Publishing a song of the year. Record of the year is mastering. Yep. So, anywho, all that said, uh, thank you for watching. Thanks for listening. My name is Andrew. My name is Andrew. His name is Andrew. My name is Emily. Emily. Yep. My name is Emily. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you.